Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg Srzvasti. Find Your Film for this installment of Find Your Film. I have three interviews. One of them is director Catherine Hardwick. Her new movie is Prisoner's Daughter. It is out now, now being June 30th, domestically. So Prisoner's Daughter is the film. It stars Kate Beckinsale and Brian Cox. They are the leads. But I'm also interviewing, along with Hardwick, two other actors. Ernie Hudson. You might know Ernie Hudson from his work in the Ghostbuster films, Family Business, Quantum Leap, all that stuff is discussed. Congo, you might know him from Congo. He's had a long and very diverse career. Had the pleasure of interviewing him years ago for Congo, and I alluded to that at the beginning of the interview. And he's always been a great person to talk to. So just go on his IMDP page, check out a whole bunch of his movies, find those films within Hudson's career. He actually talks about, I'm trying to remember the movie. There's a movie he recommends from his body of work that he says has not been seen as much. So I'm going to look on IMDb and I'm going to actually try to see if it's around for streaming or anything. And I'll put that in the show notes. So I have Ernie Hudson and also I have newcomer, relative newcomer, Christopher Convery. He plays the kid in this movie. Not a kid. He's a teenager. Anyways, Prisoner's Daughter, directed by Catherine Hardwick, centers on Max, played by succession actor Brian Cox. Max is let go, let out of prison because he's dying of cancer. Basically a compassionate release. He has maybe four to five months to live. He moves in to his old home, the Las, a Las Vegas home that is now resided by his daughter, his estranged daughter, played by Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale plays Maxine, and her dad, her estranged father, convict father, is Max, again, played by Brian Cox. Christopher Convery is Maxine's son, great kid. He's, I think, in his early teens-ish in this, and he's being bullied by kids in school. And what happens is, look, the whole movie, it's about a convict coming out and trying to mend fences with his daughter and possibly build some kind of connection with his grandson. Tyson Ritter, who you might know as the lead singer for All American Rejects, he's in this movie as the abusive ex-boyfriend of Maxine and father of the kid. And the kid's name is, by the way, is Ezra. So there's some really good acting all around. Tyson Ritter is pretty much the only arch character. He's just a really mean evil human being and he wrecks havoc on this troubled family who are just trying to get make it through the day so within this milieu within this genre it's you might it might be a reductive thing to say it's like a tv drama because of all the sort of the 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 way it's structured because it's in set in las vegas it's a lower middle class situation you see kate beckinsale's character maxine trying to just make it day-to-day as a waitress or just cleaning up, I believe, at a dance or a strip club. She's doing all these little odd-end jobs just to make the rent or pay the bills, and she's not being able to do so. Plus, her son has, I believe, epilepsy. He has seizures, and he needs medication. I'm assuming they don't have medical insurance, so she has to really pay right off the right off the top. So those are expensive as well. It's just a making ends meet, trying to build back a bridge with your family type of movie, and usually that genre, that family drama is relegated to, especially within today's world of streaming and whatnot, it's relegated as a quote-unquote TV movie. And I think that's really unfair for Prisoner's Daughter because it's, again, out in theaters. Personally, I, I enjoyed this movie based on the performances from the ensemble. And there are things within this family drama genre that 
actually it's a little bit i don't want to say twisty but the surprise the ending surprised me and there's a really cool moment be- between ernie hudson and brian cox where and ernie alludes to this in the interview where just good friends are telling a good friend is telling the other friend the truth about his human nature or human condition ernie hudson plays a boxing owner trainer who is an old friend of Max's from back in the day, and he's it's a small role but good role for Ernie Hudson. And the the two big showiest performances are from Brian Cox and Kate Beckinsale, and, and you see them struggle to find some kind of connection within the story of Prisoner's Daughter. Okay, I'm going to start off first with my interview with Catherine Hardwick, and she's always, by the way, she's always been great. I've been able to interview her over the year, over the years, most recently for. Mafia Mama got got her for that. And then years ago, I interviewed her for Lords of Dogtown and 13. She's always been a filmmaker I admire. And I love the fact that she's pretty much a genre hopper. And yeah, very good person and very creative individual. So that interviews first. Second is Ernie Hudson. Again, just great talking to him since Congo back in the day. They don't remember me. I remember them. Okay. Since I'm just a faceless media member. And then finally, a new face in the crowd. Christopher Convery, and he's not—he's new to me, but he's probably not new to a lot of you because he's—he started as—he started, in, I think, what is it called Brahms or The Boy Two, and he has other credits along his IMDb resume, and I asked him about that as well. So again, Catherine Hardwick, number one, number two, Ernie Hudson, and number three, Christopher Convery. Lastly, if you want to support our Cinematics Patreon for five dollars a month, you get a bonus episode with me. Bruce and Eric Holmes. We actually cover each each month. We cover a year in cinema. Our range is from 1991 to 2020, and every month we randomize a year to pick. This for this month. This month being July, July 1st, and on, we are spotlighting the year 1999. And for the bonus episode, what happens is we have two films for the bonus episode. One of them, one of these movie picks that we review, is a pick from. One of us, and this month's pick is from Bruce Perky, and the other pick will be exclusively chosen by our Cinematics Patreon members. If you want more information on that, I'll leave a link on our Cinematics Patreon. Again, Cinematics is the weekly show that me, Bruce, and Eric do where we spotlight new movies that are coming out on, on that given week. Also on the on the Patreon is Anderson Cowan's Goodbye to Cinematics. He was a co-creator back in 2015 of Cinematics. Find Your Film is actually a creation with me, Bruce, and Eric. We actually did a weekly show, maybe even as close to less than a year back. And then eventually Bruce and Eric moved on to Cinematics. And then now Find Your Film is basically a place where you can get a lot of movie interviews. And I'll be, I'm, I'll be beefing up this feed as well with a lot more physical media reviews and just guests guest co-host where we talk about cinema as well. So thanks again, guys, for supporting Find Your Film as well as Cinematics and hope you enjoy these interviews for Prisoner's Daughter. If you have any questions or not questions, if you have your thoughts and comments on, did you love Prisoner's Daughter? Did you not? Hit me up on on the email. Tell me what you think. Finally, for this month's Patreon, Bruce and I saw Prisoner's Daughter. We did a mini review of it, I guess, very, very quickly, but we we talk about the ending of Prisoner's Daughter. We talk about the ending, which caught, again caught me by surprise. And we also have Catherine Hardwick 
and Christopher Convery talking about the ending as well. So I'm going to combine their comments along with Bruce and I's discussion of the ending of Prisoner's Daughter. We're going to jumble, jumble that up together and I'll put them put that in a mini episode, spoiler episode that is exclusive only for our Patreon members. The spoiler stuff will be walled off. All right, guys, that's enough. Get into Prisoner's Daughter. Tell me what you think of the interviews as well as the movie. Take care, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hello? It's Dad. I'm, I'm getting out soon. All we know is what we've been. Maxine, table eight. Mom, ask Dad for the money. I'll handle it. I need money, Tyler. Well, maybe if you let me see him, I might be a little more generous. All we know is what we've been told. In the time I have left, I would like to spend it with you. I'll do it on one condition. You pay me rent. Oh my God, you're still so beautiful. You're a tenant. That's it. It'll be passed down to generations to come. It's been ages since I've seen this place. Let's dump it. Filled with bad memories. I'm not that guy anymore. From the fathers, right down to the <laughs> I'm tired of being picked on all the time. I'm going to take you somewhere. You always have to protect yourself. Big Daddy Bulldog's in town, huh? Think that's a good idea? You're an addict, Tyler. I'm gonna ask you one last time. Or what? Don't come in here now like you're some hero, because you're not. You can't stop me from seeing him. No? Watch me. I promise I will never let them harm you again. I know none of this will make up for who I was or what I did. But let me be your father for once. Stop it! Get over here! Why did you go to jail? Which time? Wait, how many times did you go to prison? More than I care to remember. Catherine, first of all, you have such a great cast, and... I just want to see one full movie. I can watch an Ernie Hudson movie as as a lead a million times a day, right? So can you can you speak to the fact that you have great, so many great actors, okay? But you're also nurturing, or maybe he's nurturing you, the talents of, of uh, Christopher Convert. Can What does he bring to the table and how awesome is it to work with such great vets, but then also having the someone who can teach you something, this young person who can teach you as well, so... That is a really fun question because Chris Con- Christopher Convery, you know, really did surprise me. He has to play, he's a young actor, you know, beginning of his career. He had so much confidence that he's playing all these scenes with Brian Cox. You know, how do you hold your own as a kid, you know, with Brian Cox and Kate and Ernie, you know, all those beautiful scenes. He, ha- he was fearless. You know, he, he understood what he, he understood that character. The character is tough in his own way. He's a curious kid. He's a special kid. And he stayed true to himself. He would never go off base and overact or anything. You know, he really stayed centered. I was amazed by him, you know, and he's such a lovely person. He's so you know, creative and curious and asking all kinds of questions and learning every minute. I think he's going to be, you know, an amazing uh, force out there in the film business. 
You know, I just feel as a cinephile, shooting dramas to me on from a DP level seems to be very complex because you can either go flashy, you can either go documentary style. There's a fine line, and I think there's not enough credit that goes into the lensing of such a genre film. Can you just talk about the approach with your DP and making sure you got the right tone and balance as far as the look you wanted for this film? Right. Well, I think that's great. Noah is a beautiful DP, and I had seen a few uh, pieces, works of his, a few films, and he's very thoughtful. And so he's really thinking things through. We really went to the locations and and tried to feel it. You know, where is the light? Like we have a lot of time in that one house, which is challenging because um, Brian Cox is on an ankle bracelet. He can't leave. <laughs> so you know you're going to have a lot of scenes in this house. And you, you're looking at the light in the kitchen, you know, you want it, the house has to be a very, you know, uh, low income level. She doesn't have money to fix it up. She doesn't even have money to pay for his epilepsy medicine. So, you know, it's got that age, that patina. And so that was one thing, you know, finding the place where we could shoot that felt cramped and felt close, but still had light that would show you the changing times of the day because they spent a lot of time in that house morning, noon, night. So, yeah, I think it was great that Noah, you know, really spent, we spent a lot of time thinking about how to keep it grounded too, because it's a very real film. I've been trying to answer this in my head since interviewing you years ago for 13 and then Twilight and just the fact that you're a great diverse genre hopper. And I think I might have come to that. Maybe this is oversimplifying it. Is it just basically you're interested in people and humanity? And that's why, whether it's animation, lookbooks, production design, directing di- different films, it's an interest in humanity, which actually leads you forth to these different avenues. Or am I oversimplifying the, the that theory? I think that's a good theory that I am. That's a great answer. <laughs> if I, because um, it is the humanity in this story. You know, you feel for each of the characters in a deep way. When I read the script, I feel for a man or any person in our lives that thinks about their past and thinks about the mistakes they've made. How could I do better? How could I reconnect with that person that I hurt? You know, can I take, instead of just wallowing in the past, can I take actual action, which I thought was beautiful that Brian's care, he takes real action to fix things. I mean, physically fix things emotionally. So I love that. That was just, you know, how do you reconnect? That's such an important thing. Or how do you connect? I guess he hadn't even ever met his grandson. So how do you build that trust? On on the simple word of connect, uh, can you just talk about the layer of having you know, Tyson Ritter, who, who you know pretty well, and then just that collaboration with Eels, with E, and just I love having that music layer to your film. It's just so subtle. And after this, I just want while, to just wallow in that music for a while after watching your movie. It's, it's amazing stuff. Talk about that choice. Oh, my God. That is so cool that you picked up on that because, of course, I love Tyson and he did uh, another project with me, Miss You Already, and he wrote a very emotional and beautiful song for that, uh, There's a Place. So I I was trying to think about this character, and at first I never thought about Tyson playing it because I see Tyson as just a lovely, fun, creative, musical soul, not with that violent streak, but 
you know, I said, Tyson, do you, I want to send you this, but do you think you, I don't want to offend you, you know, the, the violence and everything, does it work, you know, could you go there? And he's like, oh yeah, I have things in my past. He's talked about that he could, you know, go there and feel that. So, and then he is the one that came up and said, I've been working with Mark um, from the Eels and uh, E from the Eels, and we're writing some things together and, you know, see what you think, Catherine. Of course, I'm just like astounded. Then Mark uh, started sending me a few pieces. He came and saw the movie. He sent me some um, pieces of music, uh, that one song that's just, I thought, you know, that is the most perfect, beautiful song about regret and the voice. So you now have the older voice of Mark, the younger voice of Tyson kind of becoming the two male characters that are dancing around this violence. I mean, it's just so late. And then Tyson wrote that beautiful song for the end. You know, it was, um, you know, a magical, (laughs) beautiful thing when that happens. Yeah. You know, I'm going to ask some life advice for you from you, uh, Catherine. Most of my life has been spent in press junkets, as you know, in uh, screening rooms and watching movies, doing interviews. And mm-hmm. now I was wondering if, if I go out and actually travel, is Barcelona a great destination place to just get get outside of Los Angeles and outside of my own box? Oh, yeah. You know, I did just go to Barcelona and it's so cool. It's just there's, you know, all of Antonio Gaudí's architecture. And then there's just so much history in that city. And it's fun. Get on the bike, ride all around. Just look at all, you know, as an architect, my mind was blown there. And, you know, the food, the people. Yeah, that's a great place. Exactly. You got to get out there. I got to stop watching so many movies. I got too many movies to watch. But final couple of questions, Catherine. What can people, what continues to inspire you about this film, which is hard to actually get on streaming or Blu-ray or DVD? What inspires you about first Angelo, my love? And then the next question I'm going to ask you is what can I expect from the Nativity Story? Because that's another film from your canon that I I want to watch next. So just a two-part question and then we're out of here, I guess. Oh my God, that's such a good, you really do your research. You're awesome. <laughs> so Angela, my love. Oh yeah. It's, is, is it pretty hard to find? So hard. I mean, it's, it's on YouTube. I don't want to do that. I want to actually find and pay for it. So Properly. yeah. So um, I just thought it was so interesting and I realized that it was very much like, you know, 13 that Robert Duvall found this kid. He was inspired by that kid, you know, and that kid had such a, wildlife. I was inspired by Nikki and what she was trying to navigate, you know, and so it's just very personal that he used real people in there. He took you into a world that you'd never seen and most people would have never seen and been aware of. So it's yeah, very powerful world. And then, uh, Okay, then the last one was the nativity story. What can I expect from watching this? Because I see so many people on Twitter just saying that's an underrated film, wonderful film for the holidays, just really great portrayals. What what can I expect? So well, it's the first film where you see Oscar Isaac. So that's pretty amazing, you know. And Keisha Cashel Hughes is from Whale Rider is beautiful in that movie. But I think it, one revelation for me is just feeling Oscar, you know, the the birth of a star, <laughs> really somebody that had, you have so, so much empathy. Joseph, you know, his wife is pregnant and he's not the father, but he still takes her on this and may. So even just the personal story, um, you know, and we try to really keep it grounded. We had a Middle Eastern cast from mostly Middle Eastern cast 
from 26 different countries, you know, and we shot it, you know, in these beautiful locations. So it's, it's very, um, neo, uh, very real, like a lot of realism in a way, I guess you could say very kind of grounded. And we learned, we had a, um, a boot camp, uh, Nazareth boot camp where we learned how to make goat cheese and milk the goats and, you know, how to pick the olives and everything. Because, you know, I'm talking to all the actors. We can't sit in between takes. You don't sit around and look at your cell phone, you know, in the year 2000, you know, in the year zero AD, you had, you're always doing something. You're always making something. It's very, you're very connected to the land and grounded so it was just it's it'll be kind of interesting for you to see it i think yeah Catherine, so much thank you so much for your time really appreciate you and um take care yeah thank you wow i love all your deep questions <laughs> okay thank you Catherine. thank you samantha oh yeah have fun i hope you go to barcelona have fun i yeah. promise okay <laughs> thank you take care bye-bye yeah. bye Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to take a very quick trip back in time with you just for a second before we start with Prisoner's Daughter. I remember okay. when I was starting off, I was doing a lot of press junkets for about maybe three, four years. And I remember the Congo press junket. I don't remember the specifics, but you were, I think, one of the first interviewees that really came off as just very honest and you had a lot of candor and you're talking about minority representation in cinema. I don't, I'm trying to remember what the context was, but it was very honest. And I'm just wondering back then, and even today, how important has it been for you as an actor, just to represent yourself, you know, you're an actor as an actor, but just to right. represent yourself as an African-American and just support just minority representation in cinema and television, which since that year, maybe 94, 95, I'm sure it's right. grown. Thank goodness. Right. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, thank I mean, I think, I'm so thankful that it has changed. It has grown. I'm seeing things now. I'm seeing stories told now that I couldn't have even imagined when we did Congo back 20 years ago. But um, yeah, I, I think it's been something we've been sort of pressing for and now to see it sort of unfold. And I'm really um, hopeful that we don't try to slip back into, you know, once upon a time and and lose the the gains we've made but it's um it's it's just really it's an exciting time for me because you know as as an actor we're storytellers and there's so many stories that haven't been told or they've been told and twisted to fit someone else's idea of the world and uh and I think it can be even more inclusive not just in terms of uh groups but also in terms of countries and places and um this is a rich world and I think it's um it's great to be able to to see that unfold in, a, in an honest way. So I'm glad you remember the Congo. Because, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a while. It was a while back. But, a while uh, back. Time flies, yeah, right? <laughs> right. It does. It does. I'm glad to be still standing, still talking. Yes. But um, yeah, it's, it's really important. You mentioned Rich World. What kind of world did you... Uh, fine with Prisoner's Daughter because great filmmaker uh, behind the camera and the ensemble, including yourself, is bar none just tops. So I'm sure those are the really big elements for you to be part of this universe. Can you just talk about what it was like? Yeah, you know, I got the script and uh, and it was kind of, do I really want to do? I mean, it's someone else's story and you know, all those things that you, before you actually read the script. And I read the script, I was really drawn to it. Uh, I've always been fascinated with the idea of family, especially fatherhood. You know, as I once said, uh, I never knew I wanted to be an actor, but I always knew I wanted to be a dad. I always wanted to 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 try and do what better, what wasn't done for me. My grandmother raised me. And um, and so families, the family dynamic and how do you really nurture someone and help them 
have their best life. All those stories. And this was a story about a dad who, you know, lived a certain way, you know, it's about to transition. But how do you make peace with that part of you that when you were living it, you thought, okay, hey, you know, I don't have to, I can do whatever I want to do, but it comes back to haunt you. Thankfully, I don't have, um, I think, anything in my life now where I got to go back and say I'm sorry for it. But, but I was fascinated by the story. Uh, Brian Cox, he directed several episodes of Oz, um, you know, back in, you know, a few years back. And uh, so I knew him as a director, but to get a chance to to work with him as an actor. And he's so wonderful, obviously, in the um, um, uh, the series, which I'm going blank on the, the name. But um, so I just love his work. As oh, actor. Succession. Yeah. Succession. succession. My bad. Yeah. Jeez. That happens. See, that that's when age shows. It's like selling. I'm right with you. <laughs> I'm like, right with you. And I would feel bad if I haven't always been that way. But um, so I just really and Kate Beckinsale, I'd never worked with, but I just think she's she's stunning. And uh, and I was really kind of curious to see how she pulls off this, you know, that that person in Vegas where life is just sort of seems to be passing by. And I'm like, yeah, but you're so beautiful. If you just put on some makeup, you could you'd be all right. But of course, there are people who don't see that simple solution and that they still live these lives out almost desperation. And so the story was fascinating to me, but also the relationship, the friendship, you know, I have friends like that now. And, um, and I really would love to be able to say things to them like, Oh, you know, you were such a cool guy back in, but come on, you know, you, you have to be honest. <laughs> and uh, so all those things were, were, yeah, this would be, I'd love to be a part of this this view. And I don't think also, and I know I'm going long-winded with the answer, but I think now I'm sort of looking at a stage where this is what old age, senior citizen sort of looks like. Uh, you're, um, you're like 40, Ernie, right? Because... Yeah, 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 but I've been 40 for <laughs> such a long time. <laughs> so, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and I'm like, wow, that's, that, that ache, it's um, where I used to sort of brush it off and I'd get busy and a couple hours later, I forgot I even had it. Now it sort of lingers there for a while. Um, but also I think the physical things, but also mental things. And I think this story sort of addresses that. How do you, you know, how do you come to terms um, when you're facing that mortality? And, um, and I think Brian, uh, you know, he, you know, I tease him because I get to be the the old boxing coach and he he gets to deal with all these physical ailments but and and I'm older than him but it's uh it's it's fine it's kind of a, a running joke we've had for a long time but um yeah I, I just uh it's great to to be able to to work with him uh, on the work I the first question I asked Catherine Hardwick I said I, I loved I told her I love the ensemble and if I if I had my druthers, I'd just have a complete Ernie Hudson as the lead movie, and I'd, and I'd have you direct all of them, and it'd be great. And she she was just nodding her head and saying, yes, yes, yes. And so I, I'm regarding your longevity in the craft, is it because you look at the work as not just um, what's on the page? You, you know what I mean? Like, the, it, like right. on a surface level, you actually dig deeper, and henceforth – that leads to curiosity and passion. Is that the reason why you've had such an extensive career as opposed to just saying, oh, being being complacent and saying, okay, I, I can just hang out at the golf course or whatever? Is that a right? Reason? Well, I, th- I, mean, I don't know. You know, I always say an actor never knows why he's not working. 
He also never knows why he is working. You know, nobody ever tells you the truth. But I think there's um, I, when I got into acting, it was sort of the it was the only thing that I felt that I was good at, and I knew I didn't have a second chance. And I've always I've always taken it really serious because you don't play with something that is that important. Acting for me, when I'm working, the world is at peace. You know, the wife's happy, the kids are good, the mortgage, the bankers are happy, everybody's happy. When I'm not working, it all falls apart and I don't have another alternative. So, and the story, if this guy took the time to create the story, write the story, get out there, find money to do all that, to bring this thing to this point, I have an obligation to try and be honest with, to tell this story. And these are two men who've gone through some dark stuff. And my character, luckily, has sort of come out a little on the bright side, but it still is there. And um, so I don't know, maybe, but, you know, I, like I said, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, acting is one of those things, a little hard to, uh, I was looking at some of the work that's sort of going to the UK and a lot of the work that's happening in Atlanta. And what I realized a huge difference is we don't have the training facilities for a lot of people who are coming into the business here in the States. And that's really, really unfortunate because it's, it's a little bit more than just waking up and saying, Hey, I, I can do that. Um, but um, so I, so I don't know why I'm working, <laughs> but I, I love what I do, but, but I'm, but it, I think it is, a, you have to be curious. It is a curiosity about who is this person and who, you know, what is that life like? And, um, and I think that's the thing that really, uh, drew me to quantum leap because what would it be like to be in someone else's shoes? I mean, really facing this crisis that they're facing. Um, and I think it's what we do in these stories that we, we get a chance to tell, um, to how, what is that like? Who are these people? What is, what is that marriage? Like, what is that, that relationship? All those things. It's, um, and I think audiences find that if it's honest, if it has integrity, they discover things about themselves in it as well. So it's not just entertainment, but there's also something that's that's teaching, learning, feeling, you know, that goes on in this this craft that we do. It's really, to me, it's really important. So you've been enjoying the Quantum Leap journey and just your journey as an actor in series work. I, I looked at a recent interview you did and it was on YouTube and they're saying, I, I can't wait for the more, more the family business, more the family <laughs> business. More the business. So between Quantum Leap, the family business, just overall, just that, that kind of diverse work lately has been great for you. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, to me, Quantum Leap, because when you get older, uh, as I've gotten, uh, thankfully, and, uh, you know, people begin to see you a certain way. And I think maybe there's an energy about me that, you know, I get into the the dad thing, which is fine because like I said, I've always been fascinated with, you know, those questions, fatherhood and all that. Um, so to play the dad is, is kind of cool, but family business is a different kind of dad. So, you know, as a guy who's head of this crime thing. And if, I think the first couple seasons, um, the family was sort of doing this kind of weird stuff. And I was always sort of the reasonable guy. And then uh, the last season, the character gets thrown into this awful situation. I wasn't even sure how we were going to get out of it. Um, and where he's in a mental institution and it's always happened to it. Um, and now the new season five, he's a kind of a different guy, you know, and, and so to be that active, uh, you know, I'm sort of strutting around with no shirt on. I'm 
bathtub scenes and I'm, you know, I'm doing this crazy stuff that I don't get a chance to do in Ghostbusters. You know, in Ghostbusters, I'm, you know. So for me to be able to do, I love the Ghostbusters and I love Quantum Leap and 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 having the responsibility, but I also love family business because, um, yeah, there's a whole, you know, which speaks to the fact that it's all different worlds. Again, like I was saying, the stories, it's a whole, it, it's, we're all on the same planet, but we're all living these very uniquely different, different lives and, and, and different worlds. Yeah. Ernie, I'm going to close with a couple of questions. And uh, first, first part of it is just from your extensive body of work, along with your series work and prisoner's daughter, what film? Oh, Okay, yeah, you know what? A call came in and the whole thing went uh, crazy. Okay, yeah, no sorry worries. about that. Yeah. So, just a, a movie or series work from your body of work that you would recommend to our podcast watchers and listeners for them to see that you feel is uh, underrated or you really loved, you know? So, from your stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's some things that I really, really, uh, I, I just love doing. You know, The Hand of Rocks and Cradle always sort of comes to mind because it was, it was just, once again, getting a chance to tell a different story that I normally don't get a chance to tell a, a character to live in this world um, and see it from a different place. Congo has always been uh, one of the just, just fun things that I, I really sort of um, enjoy. And I did a movie called Everything is Jake, which is, um, it never really got seen much, but um, it was really fun to, to do. And, and uh, you know, I haven't had that, that role sort of tailor-made that, you know what I mean? That, really that you could just bring a hundred percent to on stage. I did a play called the great white hope years ago, and that demanded everything. And for an actor, you want to bring everything, but then it's not, you know, it's not encouraged because we're not doing that. You're the guy who comes in with the information and get the hell out of the way. So I'd love to be able to find that. But in the meantime, uh, there there are those couple things that I really, um, feel like I got a chance to sort of bring a little bit more to play. And, and as you're leaving, Ernie, you were talking about fatherhood. It's been, been a theme of this conversation. I'm 51 going on 52. Is it, is it too late? Should I just have my niece as the, is the sun going down on my prospects? What, what, what is the honest assessment of my situation? I guess, you know, I think, no, I think we, we live life. We have these experiences and you have so much to offer. And I think being a father is, is giving, um, uh, uh new human being, um, just an introduction to this crazy world. And there's so much you have to give. And I think it's really, really important. And it to help someone live their best lives, it gives you an opportunity to live your best life. So I just think even if people don't have kids, I mean, you know, that uh, mentoring or fostering, it, it really, it, it you grow and you benefit so much from it. And I have friends who never took that on. And I think you, you miss something. So no, it's not too late, you know, and uh, just make sure you, you do it under the best circumstances, you know, because it's not just you, but the other person that you're sharing that relationship with, if that's not right, it's, it's a nightmare, but, um, but yeah, no, good luck with, uh, with your quest. And um, I will say fatherhood is, it's, I think, the best thing, maybe the most important thing I've ever done with a questionable um, 
results, but uh, but I'm still I'm still <laughs> working on it. <laughs> thank you, Ernie, so, so much. I really enjoyed the film, and again, happy 40th birthday. Okay, so oh, thank you so much. Take care. Take care. Right. care. Bye bye. Hello. Yes, much better, Christopher. How are you? Here we go. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. So okay. You, want, you want to restart the question? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, just prisoner's daughter. How did you get of it? Did you just like was I frozen the whole time? I think. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit frozen and it just broke up. But just yeah, learning yeah. from Kate and Brian Cox and Catherine Hardwick, just a great filmmaker. So I'm sure just working and living on the set with these fellow artists must have been a great experience for you. Yes, for sure. <clears throat> um, and you know, like we all we all had so much fun as well. Like there, we all got really close because like all of our scenes were together. And you know, like I was saying, like Brian Cox, like it's like a masterclass being on set with them, and um, like it genuinely feels like in the scenes, like it feels like he's my grand, like I genuinely felt like my grandfather, like he's really good. And, and, um, you know, with Kate Beckinsale as well, like there's so much emotion in a performance. And I think it really brought out my performance as well. And, uh, at the end, I don't know this, but she, she, she literally got me a kitten as a gift at the end of the movie, which I still have. Um, his name is blue, which is pretty amazing. And then, uh, Catherine, Hardwick, she's an amazing director. Like she really had a vision for the movie, but she also really allowed us to like explore our characters and like kind of like improvise a lot of stuff. So like it really made it really, you know, it was a great experience and it was really awesome. And I learned so much from everybody. This is just an off tangent regarding the kitten. I I used to have a cat, adopted a cat for about seven to eight months, and then I had to get give it away to another uh, set of guardians oh. because every everyone gets so allergic to cats my family know, yeah. what oh. has it been like for you just are you a cat person and how has that journey been for you well, because I it's heartbreaking ever, sometimes yeah i only ever had dogs right and like i was always asking like like my mom for a, a cat like shot my like my little brother was always asking for a cat as well but like the, you know like it was just like mm, what I, like i don't know because like the litter box and everything right and then um kate loves cats i'm sure people know that like she loves cats so she like she was like asking me oh what if i got you a cat right and then she like talked to my mom about it and my mom thought she was joking because like who buys a cat as a gift like that's incredible and like so she ended up like flying a kitten from florida from a cat breeder to all the way to like los angeles and giving me the cat so yeah she's amazing but yeah i love the cat like now we're cat people for sure like and he gets along with my dog and everything and he's he's really fun he's really cool i think he's like one years old now or one and a half yeah Yeah, very cool and so as far as prisoners daughter what was the the biggest challenge in shooting this film because it's a very dramatic piece there's a lot of emotionally charged moments you have to be in the moment i'm assuming but for you what was the most difficult and and i guess on that side of the coin gratifying part i guess yeah um honestly like I, I I don't think there was like a very like difficult part involved in the movie, but like because like yes, it was very dramatic. Like like in the like in the scenes, like it was very intense. I mean, we were all like that. But between takes, like we were just like laughing like the entire time. So it was like a it was it was just like you know like we go there and we just switch off and like we're just having fun. Um, but I mean, it, it was cool though because in this movie, like there's like boxing and like fight scenes and stuff. So um i had done boxing before that so like you know like i trained a little bit for the movie um but no real like you know crazy challenge or anything but i also think like in terms of the grat what do you say like gratification yeah gratification um yeah. like 
the turnout of the movie because it's just like when I got to see it like fully done like for the first time at the Toronto Film Festival like I was so wowed and like Brian and everybody like we were like oh my gosh this is amazing like just seeing it all be put together and like seeing people's reactions too like in the theater like in the screening and tiff like the audience was like you know laughing the entire time and then like at the end they were all crying so it was just really cool to see it be all put together and like fully done because it's a really amazing movie. You're talking about music i just saw on your face i think your facebook account you did a instagram a, yeah instagram account yeah you did a, a you, you played the theme of succession quite well you're an accomplice oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah can you just talk about how being a pianist and musician how is that infused your your life your work as an actor are they two separate professions or does one complement each other um yeah so like i've always played piano since i was like five years old um and i've loved piano and like I recently started a band called Drive, um, and we've been performing, like, like we've already done, like, two sold-out shows and stuff, which started two months ago, so I've always, I've always loved music, um, but I think that they definitely do, like, even if it's not direct, like, I'm not, like, playing piano in a movie, which is, that could also happen, right, but I think it does, because, like, they're both very, like, artistic and, like, the way of, like, I don't know, you know, acting like it's a feel of character and stuff, and, like, piano, like the dynamics of it, like you feel the music. I, I think, I mean, I, I do think it's kind of like connected in a way. Yeah. yeah fun succession, succession theme is really so, cool. Right. And I was actually in succession. That was my first television role. I was in the pilot of the, of the, of the TV show. And I was like bullying Greg or something. I remember and then, like, that. And then he later, threw up, right? Is that, did he throw yeah. up in that? Yeah. Yeah, he does. And then five years later, I'm working with Brian again on the uh, prisoner's daughter. Yeah. So final couple questions, Christopher, can you, Name right off the top of your head one of your all-time favorite movies. And what is it about this movie that really speaks to you? And then the second part of the question is from your IMDb work resume, can you recommend after this movie, our listeners, what movie or TV series of yours should they watch next? And why? So So I'll start with a favorite movie. My favorite movie of all time, I think, right now is is called Fight Club. I'm sure you know that movie. Like... Like, when I saw it, I was told to watch it. And, like, I heard, like, mixed things about it. Some people really don't like it. Some people like it. And I was watching it on the plane. And I just remember going, like, when it, like, I watched the entire thing. And, like, at the end, I was just like, whoa. Like, like I like movies that, like, at the end, you're just, like, like, they have an impact on you. Like, you have to, like, kind of, like, process. You don't know what, you know what I mean? And I think it's, like, so well done. Like, do you know, like, when, like, there's, like, a flashing character, you know, throughout the movie? I don't know if people notice that. But, like. When I saw that, I didn't know anything about the movies. I was, like, so confused. I thought it was a glitch, right? And, like, the whole plot, like, and the twists and everything, like, I didn't see it coming, honestly. Like, I just, the, the movie is so good. Like, it's it's a 10 out of 10, in my opinion. And, like, other than that, like, I really like um, The Revenant with Leo DiCaprio. Like, I love those heavy movies. Like, they're so good. And, like, I think my other one I really like is, like, I also love La La Land. That's a very good movie. And then, like, I think my maybe fourth, like, Whiplash. That was really cool as well. So those are, like, my top four, I think. Oh, very um, cool. But in terms of, yeah, other things that people should watch. Well, I have another movie that's out called Pinball on Apple TV, The Man Who Saved the Game. Um, it's with Crystal Reed who, from Teen Wolf and Mike Feist from West Side Story. That's a really good movie. It's about, like, the ban of pinball in, like, in the 1970s and, like, how police, like, raided places and destroyed pinball machines. Like, it was kind of crazy. And then also, um, 
I was in Stranger Things and I played young Billy. That's a pretty cool role explaining like, Billy's backstory in season three and four, actually. And Gotham's really cool as well. Um, I play with Martine. He's like the he's like the sidekick of Penguin. And I'm there for like six episodes and like I have to like write on notepads, like I'm a mute and it, it's very cool. Um and I also think the girl in the spiders up is a really good one. Right. Because in that one, I am a lead in it and I have autism. So like I had to learn all about that. So like I spent time with people that had autism and like learned from that. And that was a really great movie. And then I think the final movie I'd recommend is uh the boy too that's a horror movie i did and i played i mean like basically the boy and uh it's the sequel to brahms the boy the, the boy um it's a, it's, a, it's like a doll horror movie um so yeah i think those are definitely some must watches for of mine <laughs> and finally last question is where can people follow your band do they just follow your ig account for maybe places you're going to play etc cetera, etc cetera, so yeah so i would follow my account christopher Confrey, because i post everything like you know my upcoming TV shows, movies, um, the band, everything. So it's just my name, Christopher Convery. Um, so make sure to follow that, and you know, people, I'll keep you, I'll keep everybody updated. Yeah. Christopher, really enjoyed the film. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.